Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Now for the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome into the drive here on. 93 on the bell. I hope you are safe and warm uh, wherever you are. Don't have to get out on these uh, icy and hellacious roads, which are, I guess, probably about to get worse. Uh, we are nice and toasty here in the old ESPN Louisville studios here. Dave, how are you, buddy? You doing all right? I'm good, man. I'm good. Okay, you were doing this, though. I was just so trying to figure it, out what those Tanner of you who was don't doing. Know, you're don't know. shaking your head no while saying, I'm good, man, and that that's always a giveaway. I'm good. What's I was going on? Looking at, I was looking at the producer booth and watching Tanner come in and out and... You know, Nikki's holding it down for us there. It was, it was confusing. That's what I was shaking my head at. Not not my current status. I feel great. I'm fine. Here's what I love. Text into the UPS shop sex on it. 252. So oh, we're not no. even, we're not no, this is good. This is the okay. eager, you know. Every day I cheat on 93.9 with Alabama radio from 12 to 3. Smart. Cards fans, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Those guys are talking about firing their new coach if he doesn't make the playoffs two out of the next three years and dropping some of their upcoming series so they can guarantee three non-conference wins in the SEC if it goes to nine games. I would love our program to have that kind of success, but I hope we never become that dingbat crazy. There's a lot. There is. Wow, that's a lot of meat on that the phone. The coping muscles in Alabama have atrophied like none other. Yeah. And, and good for them. They, have, they haven't had to exercise them they in don't a have very copium. long time. They don't have copium. They have everything sucks and college football is dead. That is what it took less than a week. Nick, we were talking about this the other day. It took less than a week for Alabama fans to proclaim college football dead. Because they lost like a handful of five stars. Wow. They <laughs> like went literally zero said to... college football is dead. <laughs> it's amazing stuff. And my favorite thing was, my favorite part of all of this was essentially a tweet from what, and I'm going to I'm gonna flip back over to this because it was from my notes the other day. Uh, basically a tweet that they called Caden Proctor, you know, the freshman All-American right. uh, offensive tackle. Basically called Caden Proctor or ins- insinuated that he is a system offensive tackle. What? <laughs> I. What is that? It's not anything. Right? The only the only systems, quote unquote, offensive systems that you have like linemen that are you know 
obviously there's linemen that are more fit or more more suited for the run game or the option or or the insides of whatever you want to call it. I mean, the, the insides of the outside, the, the Broncos had a bunch of 290-pound offensive linemen. Tom Nalen was like 280 when he played. You know, that, that kind of stuff in, in the Army runs the option and has 280, 290-pound you know, right. offensive linemen out of necessity. But when you have a refrigerator on legs uh, at left tackle in the modern college football landscape, uh, he can play anywhere. And that was one of the last shreds of copium that I've seen from Bama. And I think, I don't know what I prefer, the college football is dead fan or the extreme version of we didn't want him anyway copium that we're getting from some Alabama fans. Or maybe I just love the fact that they both exist in the same fan base and they are clashing on Twitter. Yeah, they they are degenerating into different coping factions. Some of us uh, are now uh, embittered against all of college football. Some of us think that dude actually kind of sucks. Yeah. The only thing that's not happening is anyone sort of turning their uh, their their rage at Saban himself. He started eleven games this year. I don't think he started the first, or maybe he started all fourteen, whatever. At left tackle in the SEC at Alabama, even if he had some struggles early in the season, he was playing very well by the end. You don't last that long playing left tackle at Alabama without being very good at what you do. Um, just ultimate levels of Copian calling somebody a system offensive tackle, essentially. I think that's great. It's an amazing thing to to uh, intimate, like to even even think about. It's amazing. Well, look, they, they are dealing with uh, their first real vulnerability. You know, I, I think that it's only now that they are beginning to uh, experience life after Saban. And oddly enough, I think with the in the very short term, their appreciation for him is going to go up. Yeah. Once it's just, look, he's the best to ever do it. It's not reasonable to think that the next person will, will be that good. Uh, and things are going to change. But I think more than anything else, they're realizing they had a head coach uh, who was a firewall he was a backstop against all sorts of things that that everyone else has been having to fight and war against and now they don't have that anymore and really i think in college football you've got one guy that probably has it in kirby smart and everybody else is sort of scrambling like there there used to be those two in urban meyer but Dabo has kind of regressed some as he he refuses to embrace college football's modern urban's out saban's out Kirby is kind of the big dog, if there is one, along, I guess, with Jim Harbaugh for as long as he wants to stay in college football. Welcome to real life, Bama fans. Roll Tide. <laughs> and it's not to say that they don't have a lot of built-in advantages, but that's the game in modern college football. You have to work and re-recruit your roster all the time while keeping your eye on everybody else's. Like, that's that's the job, you know, and it's not just as simple as these are the five programs that are going to get all the five stars and whoever they want. And you're only competing with Georgia and Ohio State and Texas for recruits and maybe LSU and Michigan. Like Those days are over because, yeah, while those are the same people that you're going to compete with with recruits out of high school, you're going to have to re-recruit them after a year and then again after the next year. I mean, we have guys that – and it wasn't just malcontents that were expecting to get PT that were second and third stringers that that, couldn't take the ego hit or just wanted to go somewhere – 
or they could play right now. These are guys that started as freshmen with Caleb Downs and, and, and uh, Proctor. Like These are guys that started and excelled as freshmen, but you take away that Saban factor, and they're going to look elsewhere because what the biggest selling point, regardless of Alabama as a brand and, and whatever they might think of themselves, and rightfully so, as the kings of college football, if you take away Saban, take away an elite coach, an established coach, and not just an elite established coach, the elite coach who has, you know, uh, just a stellar reputation. He is the un, you know, disputed king of college, modern college football. You take him away and everything that he entails and everything that he was wrapped up in, and they're just another great program right now until they find their feet with their new coach, which I think Kalen DeBoer is a great coach, but it, it's going to maybe take some time. Yeah, it's not an insult to him to say he's not Nick Saban. No. Uh, and it's not It's not an insult to say anyone's not Nick Saban. Uh, and it is it is an insult to everyone's intelligence to try to maintain, like, things will just sort of continue on. I think that's the most interesting part of all of this, is that Alabama fans, I think, realize it's going to be different now, and they just don't like it. But I have I have an idea. Look, this is not going to be easy for for Kalen DeBoer like at all. We uh, just the, alone the competition in the SEC, especially with Texas and OU joining. And oh, by the way, joining right when Texas seems to have really figured things out. Yeah, they this, play off this, this is year. actual Texas, right? This is top, yeah, yeah this Texas. is uh, peak, Texas should be. peak Texas, yeah, yeah or, or uh, optimized Texas, or whatever, however you want to say it. But also, Nick Saban isn't there anymore. This will be difficult. I don't know how much runway he, he'll have with fans, you know, to Kalen DeBoer will, but they, I think they've lost 20 transfers or so. Another one today, five-star uh, quarterback. And he was an incoming freshman five-star who had enrolled early. Now, they got one yeah. from, from Washington to sort of help offset that, and they should probably be fine there. But what I think Kalen DeBoer should do now is just let everyone know this is year zero. <laughs> If he was just like, guys, just keep in mind here, I wanted that awesome roster Saban had, but I, these guys are all leaving. So this year doesn't count. This is year zero. I'll pick it up next year. Then we'll get serious. But we're just gonna we're gonna work out. You know, we're gonna we're just gonna focus on us. You know, that sort of thing. Clean this year. slate. We start again yeah. in twenty twenty five. Next year, when this roster is, you know, more of like what I'm looking for. My guys from good families. That's year one. I, I just can't wait for the, the Bama to be like eight and three, nine and three, and like their fans. No one, no one understands on how bridges. hard it is to be a Crimson Tide fan. It's like, right. shut up. I don't know how much you want to talk about that today. You already kind of went over it yesterday, Kenny. You, you might say, we, yeah, we talked about it a little bit yesterday. It was literally the only thing we did for three hours. It's yeah. year well, negative because it two. was that it was that kind of a statement. Like I thought we were done with it. You know, I thought at some point to get the message that that's not going to that dog don't hunt, and nobody believe like nobody agrees with you except for Rick Bozick. Like that's it. He's the only guy that buys what you're selling right now, as far as this being year zero, year one, whatever. It, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed your tweet though. Just like I'm I'm in the minority. Like I agree with Kenny. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, you don't say. That's <laughs> what <laughs> that that was my reaction. Like. I'm in the minority. I think I might be in the minority. You think you might be. You know, but I agree I with you. Know. Like, you don't say. You agree with them. Didn't see that coming. 
You know, Are you guys trying to say that like you don't think that that message from Kellen DeBoer would be well received? I'm sure, I'm sure they would just eat it up with a spoon down there in Tuscaloosa. But the, you know the funny thing is with the stuff that you've said, like uh, Bama fans saying if he doesn't make the playoffs two out of the next three years, the thing is. He probably should make the playoffs two out of the next three years because it's a 12-team playoff. Oh, that's true. It's a little bit different. If they're missing the playoffs two of the next three years, they probably will fire him. <laughs> it, they probably will. Yeah, and you – the funny thing about the money is in this these situations, it makes you really not have to endure anything, right? Yeah. Just, no, next, next, next. I'm not waiting. For, wait. Patient. This is Alabama. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, like, I don't, I don't, like, Alabama fans are going to be really uncomfortable with this until they see Kalen DeBoer on the field, you know, and Kalen DeBoer's done it without having top five recruiting classes. I mean, not to say that that's the preferred method, but he doesn't have to have all five stars to win. Uh, the advantage of going to Alabama is that he will have more five stars in theory. Uh, but he's, this is going to happen in modern college football. If you have coaching turnover, there will be a mass exodus regardless of what program you're at. Unless you have a unique situation where you're uh, promoting from within or somebody is extremely uh, charismatic and comes in and, and shores up that recruiting class. I mean, these guys were out the door probably be- almost before Kalen DeBoer signed on the dotted line. You know, I mean, he didn't have a whole lot of opportunity to to sway them back, and that—that's. That, I think it should be—it should be humbling, and you realize how precarious your position can be, when you're that elite and you take certain things for granted. Like what, well, like I've said multiple times the last two weeks, man, Alabama has gotten it wrong more than they've gotten it right in modern football hiring. They just got it really, really right with Saban. Um, I mean, you go back before we've talked about it, you know, Price and Chula and Franchione, and everybody that they had for a, gosh. 25-year period after Bear Bryant was rough early. They had they had one national title with Stallings, but you know Bill Curry and everybody else that they had, they just didn't quite get the formula right, and they missed more often than they hit it, and then they hit the jackpot on Nick Saban, and he stuck around for 15 years. They should be happy about that. But at some point, it was going to end, and I think deep down inside, there is some insecurity with the Alabama fans because they realize how precarious it can be. They were in the wilderness for a while there. And watching other teams in the SEC grab that glory. They lost six straight games to Auburn or five straight games to Auburn in the 2000s, you know, before Nick Saban came around. That can happen easily. And with Texas and Oklahoma entering the fray, there's more teams that could subjugate them if they don't hit the ground running with Kalen DeBoer. And I, for one, wouldn't cry a tear, but I like Kalen DeBoer and I think he's going to do fine. I did want to uh, quickly. Uh, it, I don't know. Pour one out, raise a glass, whatever you want for Sports Illustrated, uh, and what has become of that? Uh, the latest uh, to have the blood and life and soul sucked out of it by uh, bros in uh, private equity, but uh, basically everyone uh, outside of just a few people laid off yeah. today, and and a, a brand that is synon- like just synonymous with the biggest moments in in sports ever around the world and it's and somehow synonymous with the best of still photography and writing yeah. uh, is now basically defunct through no fault i think really of anybody who produced any of that stuff 
And for so many of us, it was uh, the preferred journalistic outlet. Absolutely. It was uh, the ratification of like a big moment. It was finished when it was captured in Sports Illustrated. And I know that it, it be, Sports Illustrated was always a collector's item when your team did something big. Lamar Seisman post. Right. We have yeah. so many of the 2013 covers. Uh, we have the Lamar, what just happened, the headline, uh-huh. you know, for that game from the 2016 game, that sort of thing. Uh, and the idea of that being able to be so poorly managed that this sort of thing can happen, it's almost inconceivable. Look, part of it, obviously, is the way we consume media these days and and magazines are not – I mean, we've had more magazines, uh, you know, iconic magazines fold over the last 15 years than you could possibly imagine, you know, uh, once they've been published for 100 years that have got that have folded. Uh, Sports Illustrated, I just – you always thought that that would be the one that that might stick around, you know, for as long as magazines are viable. And I, I mean – if it doesn't exist in any kind of going forward in any kind of form that we recognize, it's going to be set, man. I saw the, I saw the carnage, the article about the carnage on the way in, and just man. I don't know. It's 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 wild to think, and part of it, like yeah, it's. They're not investable, and we see that they they tend to get taken down whenever outside entities buy them. But I don't I don't know how you save magazines in in modern era and how people consume sports media or any media. Like, I don't see how you save magazines. And it's still sad, though. I mean, the Sports Illustrated is synonymous with every big moment. The SI cover. Who got the cover? The we SI got the jinx. The jinx. I mean, the year in photos was always one of my favorite right. issues. Obviously, you have the swimsuit issue that is iconic, you know, for other reasons. You got everything. Like, it's, it's, a, it's an institution in sports media. It's the biggest institution in sports media and the longest... Uh, relevant one at this point i mean sport sporting news and stuff like that is, is older but it's it's one of those things that you just you don't expect that kind of iconic institution to to go away but we're we're there we're on the doorstep of it i can still remember in uh 2002 sitting there uh in a waiting room in newport ritchie florida picking up a magazine about this 16 year old in ohio that was uh yeah. Setting the world on fire oh, yeah. in, in uh, high school basketball and that every NBA GM in, in the league was like, yeah, we'll trade all of our stars to get him yep. when, when he's in the draft. And, they were, you know, they were on LeBron however, 25 years ago. Yeah, when he was a freshman in high school, you know, and that's – I remember because we're the same age. You know, LeBron and I are um, very similar One career of paths. several com- – yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> overlaps. I've got a stronger uh, hairline, and that's honestly – the only thing I think I've got on. <laughs> I was just about to say that. I was like, you got hair. <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, we saw all those. Obviously, the iconic uh, issues with him and, and Carmelo in the draft and, and and everything. Every time a team I loved won a championship, you know, I've got the Robinson-Duncan cover after the first title. You know, it's, it's my favorite piece of memorabilia that I have in sports is Brandy Chastain's Sports Illustrated sure. cover, you know, the iconic with her ripped her jersey off, so she's in her sports bra on her knees, uh, celebrating after that 99 World Cup win. I kept that for a couple of years and got it autographed by her. Hmm. And that's my favorite, you know, it's to David, dreams do come true, Brandy Chastain. That's my favorite piece of sports. You didn't have sports. her sign it to Biscuit? No, this was, this was before Biscuit was my oh, nickname. all right. That came around like the mid-2000s. Okay. Yeah. 
If you had it signed now, would you ask her to sign it? Dedicate to Biscuit? Possibly. Probably. If I had yes. her sign it for you, I would have her Biscuit. To Biscuit. Don't biscuit, ask. Yeah, Biscuit became my, my, my primary nickname in like 2007, 2008, somewhere around there. Texture says, I wonder why they didn't go electronic or something like The Athletic. Of course. Like a, the entity that bought them doesn't give a damn. That's why. And the, the, the first thing I thought of is uh, Florida State is talking about perhaps leaning into the world of private equity like this uh, to front it the money or invest the, the money to get out of the ACC. This is what happens. What do you think of, and I mean, obviously SI.com has been around for a long time, but that's different than just going full bore electronic. We'll see how that, that works itself out, but. What do you think, since you brought up Florida State, about the uh, the fact that the ACC is basically that I think that it was an acknowledgement of the fact that this is the split's inevitable when they're basically just like, all right, we don't really want you involved in decision making while you're while you're actively seeking to leave the conference. I, it's the first thing I think that they've done that I think I agree with and understand. I mean, I'm not exactly rooting for either side here. Like, I, yeah. I, It'll hurt Louisville and the ACC for them to leave, but it seems certainly seems inevitable. And I don't mind uh, the ACC trying to cover itself. Like, here's a group that's clearly not interested in our best, uh, our the conference's best interest, not in the conference's well-being as a whole. Uh, and in fact, I think that they would work actively to try to stop them from doing anything mitigating at all, which they kind of already did in the uh, did. with the additions of uh, Cal and Stanford and SMU. Mm-hmm. They really spearheaded submarining that uh, and then used it against them in the lawsuit uh, itself. I don't mind the ACC covering themselves and, and making Florida State defend uh, the right to both try to extract yourself from and say these things are unfair and participate in them. Get the hell out of here. Yeah, no, that's – I think we've all talked about this during the process. Like, when do they start calling meetings and not calling Florida State? <laughs> and this is kind of what they've done at this point, at least fighting for that. And I don't think it's unfair – I think it's their only way of, of kind of fighting back at this point, but I do get a lot of entertainment and enjoyment from watching Florida State kind of make these proclamations and and draw these lines in the sand and then really be countered with, all right, where are you going to go? Which is what we've all been saying for months and how are you going to do it? When we were told, I remember at the beginning of October, we had multiple sources come out and say, it's happening in October. I told you so. Oh, I remember that. And we were like, I'll believe it when I see it. And they're like, well, you just can't keep saying that. We told you preseason was going to happen in October. I was like, well, it hadn't happened yet. You're just reporting again what you reported in July. And it still <laughs> hasn't happened. I'm not saying it won't happen eventually, but color me skeptical until I see them you're Actually, just guessing again. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like that's what this is gonna happen then. It doesn't happen. Well, it's like on Parks and Rec when the the uh the cult said we need the park for this day for the end of the world. Uh, then it doesn't happen. And like, well, I have got a new prophecy. I need it for, for May eighteenth. And and she's like, Well, you know, we've got a we've got, you know, a relay race that day in the park, sorry. And he's like, Oh, you know, I was wrong. It's May twentieth. Is, is May twentieth available? <laughs> you know <laughs> just keep doing that. <laughs> So look, pour one out uh, for for Sports Illustrated. It certainly doesn't seem like it'll ever be what it 
used to be. Yeah, no, whatever magazines is, aren't yeah. also what they used to be, and that's not Sports Illustrated's fault, but uh, it is worth at least acknowledging something that was an institution in sports fandom for everyone. There was no one who no. didn't know what Sports Illustrated was who liked sports. Print media and, and periodicals are just it's not a good time for them. You know, for the most part, people just aren't consuming media that way anymore, information that way anymore. And I, I, it's sad to me. I've always been somebody that likes the physical newspaper. Same. I like magazines. You know, like the two places, obviously, you said earlier, the waiting rooms and doctors and dentist office and the airplane. I feel like every time that I went on a flight, I would always go to the newsstand and get two or three you know, magazines, some which I never got, like Entertainment Weekly, just something to read. I didn't have the compulsion to do that when I go to the, the grocery store on a Tuesday. But if I'm going on a flight, I'm like, I'm going to get magazines. That's what we're doing for the next couple of hours. Yeah. 2013, Sports Illustrated helped me become a man with the Kate Upton swimsuit model. That cover alone <laughs> oh was my. like, I'm grown up now. I was like, Tanner, where are we going with this? <laughs> I know. What did you do to that magazine? <laughs> No, I just, it re- I realized, I was like, I'm a man. Oh, okay. Had a boy, Tanner. It wasn't the mustache. Kate Upton does have that impact on people. This it does. This only came, like, when I was in college. That's the problem. Fair enough. You became, it sprouted up in college. Uh, you, you, you matriculated, and the next day you just had a handlebar mustache. Man. <laughs> I'm just trying to, did it come complete with, like, a... A bowler hat. It, some dude just came into my house and it was like, here's a kit. Here's mustache wax. <laughs> here's a mustache well, you conditioner. Pick one of a few things. Yeah, that's are, right. Are, are, are you, you going to be the down? mustache yeah, guy? Exactly. Do you want a beard? Exactly. Do you want a mustache? And I was like, mm-hmm. handlebars, please. You're going to be like, ah, Raleigh guy? fingers. You're going to be rides his bike everywhere guy? You're going to be <laughs> mustache guy? guy? Guitar at a party guy? guy? <laughs> what are you going to be? What are you going to be? I'm going to be a barbershop quartet. You're well on your way. <laughs> and then you start transitioning to are you going to be homebrew guy or oh, yeah. as you get older guy? World War II guy yeah. right yeah barbecue guy which Bar- yes I checked several boxes mainly just barbecue and history <laughs> to the matter <laughs> golf these are the stages of life yeah so John Mulaney says every dad is studying for a, a, a World War II exam that's never that's coming that's never coming yeah <laughs> how many times have you seen Band of Brothers that's the question. I've read the books. My, you're right. Yeah. My 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 answer is is well in the double digits, yeah. and I'm I'm fine with that. I embrace it. It's an annual or biannual uh, event for me. I watch it often. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, I personally think it's the best thing ever produced. The best thing ever produced for like for the visual medium for TV or or movies. It's my favorite production ever. Texture says it was Kathy Ireland or Elle McPherson for me. Yeah, see, like Mark and I's awakening happened a lot earlier than than yours, Tanner. Like Kate Upton was obviously nice, but she, you know, we were already well well into there were our, multiple generations. We were of washed. These yeah, yeah. I understand. I know. It's Lots okay. of Heidi Klum in the nineties. You know, Tyra stuff Banks. Like that. Tyra Banks. Yeah, before she was known as being crazy on television, <laughs> throwing things at people in airplanes or whatever. Or was that Naomi Campbell? Tyra Banks is just crazy on TV. I don't know. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll get serious about this. Although it's Friday. None of you want to be serious. Your kids stayed home from school today. I was going to say, me, Maven, and Rummage spent the first 30 minutes of his show 
just naming off five-star recruits for Louisville basketball that just didn't pan out. And we were like, we just want four stars and three stars. That's all we need. And that went on for like 35 minutes straight, just like. A lot, of, a lot of VJ King. Yeah, yeah I, okay. that was my Fair first enough. one. I was like, VJ King. And they're like, yeah. ooh, good one. Texter wants to know if every kid that can grow what he's referring to as the porn star mustache that can grow one, have they grown one? Yeah, everyone's tried at least once. You got to at least attempt. Yeah, you got to try. Everybody everybody has to dabble in facial hair to figure out where their level is. That's right. I remember you the know? day I shaved Biscuit. You were mad at me. You're like, you, you have the honor. You have the power to grow a handlebar mustache. You yeah. keep it, and I was like, "All right, I'm sorry." Yeah, I'll, with great power comes great, great responsibility. responsibility. Yes, if you can, if you can grow like a handlebar mustache and it looks normal on you, then you need to do it. That's how I was upset when Jack Plummer shaved. Then you're better with a mustache, man. You just are. But you can't ever decide for yourself. You got to rely on other people mm-hmm. to tell you like that's if right. that's working for you or not. Like I knew, like when I go clean shaven, it's not on purpose. Because oh. it's definitely never looked good. I've had this beard since I was 20 years old. That's right. I've had a goatee in some form or fashion for 20 years. No Yankees. Over 20 me. years. Yeah. No. Yeah, right. I never would have signed with the Yankees. That's what held me back. Yeah. This beard. That's right. That was the deal breaker. <laughs> That's right. He was like, I totally would have been with the Yankees, but I, I would have gone pro. Not because of my knee. It's, I, I just really Have you like seen my this beard. face without a beard? I can't <laughs> play right. for the Yankees with that. It's like, well, why didn't you play for one of the other teams? No, no, no. no, 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 no. The Yankees are nothing for me. It's right. <laughs> All right, we'll take a quick break here. Come back. We'll do like a real sports show on the other side here. Oh, sure. On the drive and on the belt. Be right back. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. It's a purpose. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis. And Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Dave Skull. Texture says, y'all, I hit 30, started reading books about World War One and World War Two. It's been like Alice down the rabbit hole ever since. It'll, it'll own you, but it'll, it will own you. It will own you. It gets it gets even worse, all right, guys. Because like I will just, if I'm killing time on the computer, I'll just open up Wikipedia and start searching World War II figures. Just, just because, yeah, yeah. Like all of a sudden, I'm reading all about Omar Bradley (laughs) for an hour and a half. You start really, you yeah, you do kind of at some point have like a realization. You're like. I don't really know anything about the war in Northern Africa. Yeah, like you let's know, like, start, let's read about Rommel. Yeah, yeah, Montgomery. You know, like, let's just let's get down there. You know, there's such a Trevor, there's a treasure trove of things you can learn. And I'm a history buff. You know, and and like I know much more about World War II than the average person, but I still don't know probably 
forty percent of all the no of all the knowledge that you can learn about World War II. And I consider myself very knowledgeable about World War II. I could I could read nonstop for the rest of the year, every waking hour, and I probably wouldn't learn everything there is to know about it. There are so many fascinating like side stories about different countries' involvement, you know, in the war in the Pacific, which too many of us don't know enough about. And yeah, the the history of the Chinese Japanese relations and how World War II, you know, was a reflection of that and the atrocities committed. The whole thing's crazy. And how one or two things changed. Things could have gone a, a very different way. It's wild. Uh, if you would like to enjoy uh, a book, well, anything Eric Larson writes is great anyway, uh, but The Splendid and the Vile is wonderful about World War II mm-hmm. and about the. All of his books are great about like a giant macro thing and these tiny little things kind of happening at the same time. And he's sort of bouncing yeah. back and forth in the interaction between the two. And it's all all these personal letters and like the personal battles of Churchill and his family and, and then people in London during the bombardment and all that. It's You would love it. I finally got around to watching The Darkest Hour. Uh, might be is, my favorite movie. Which is really good. Yeah. 8150939. That's uh, the number if you would like to get in here. 3831. 93.9 for the UPS jobs text line. Hey, Mark, there. Spencer's here. Hey, Spencer, what's up? Hey, welcome back, guys. Glad to be here today. Good to see you, buddy. Why did we need to do that? I don't know, man. He just okay. came in, and, and I like to acknowledge the fact that somebody else is in front of the microphone. He does important work, and we miss him when he's not here. Appreciate that, guys. Yeah, no problem. Well, I said it. I don't know if Mark well, you, Why agrees. are you talking like a hostage? <laughs> I don't know why I'm being held hostage today, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> the week. They're treating me good. Yeah. I'm eating Thanks, good. Guys. You all right? Mark is good to me all the time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. He's never cussed me out for my job. That I have never cussed. How are you doing? Out. How are you doing in the first week of the Gerard Mayo uh, era? How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Yeah, he's saying the right things, but you know, it's a press conference. You know, he's, he's it's hard to lose the opening press conference. Oh, but not at all. It's not but impossible. impossible. <laughs> yeah. No, we we know. But Adam Gates. He's, he's saying the right things as he should be. <laughs> In the opening press conference, um, did you guys by chance catch the Raiders officially naming Antonio Pierce? I'm sure it came out right before I came on. Good for them. That's no, I like Antonio Pierce. I thought he should have had the best. He should have had the first shot at the job uh, with how he performed this year, and he did. Yeah, I like his vibe. I'm fascinated by it uh, because I think all of the reporting was that the Raiders were dead set on a star mm-hmm. and they have always they've always viewed themselves that way and he is very much a kind of uh every man workman like you know a relator and not a, a star in the coaching world players remember who he is but and that they had their their you know they they wanted harbaugh, harbaugh or yeah they, you know they wanted gruden before that they want a a big figure uh like that and so it is kind of interesting to see them sort of change course on the kind of person they were looking for but i think that might be a good thing for them because yeah, yeah they might be constantly yeah constantly uh chasing those stars you know and thinking that that's what your your franchise is instead of saying maybe we just need to get the best guy for the job i mean they did it two know? years ago rich passaccia led them to the playoffs after the green emails came yeah. out and they're like Let's get Josh McDaniels. Worked so well ten years ago for Denver. Let's do it again. They always and, they always go for the bright shiny object. That's how Al Davis was. That's how his son is. 
To a degree, although his son's a much different person than Al Davis was. Do you think this is because it's a cheaper option compared to because they're still paying Gruden, still paying McDaniel's the buyouts? They're a little more cash poor. It came out. It came out last year, the year before. They're a little more cash poor than people think. Like Mark Davis is not nearly as like just ridiculously He's not one of the filthy rich the new owners who are filthy rich and yeah. buy the teams for fun. He's one of those guys where like the team is his wealth. Yeah. Kind of like the Lakers, honestly. Right, right. The bus, that's their that's their that's their job. Right. That's their profession. That's their family business. Um so that wouldn't surprise me if that was a factor. Uh but I kind of like this move towards relatively recently retired players. I don't I you could do much worse than guys like D'Amico Ryans. You know how it's a copycat league. He's been so good with Houston as a new coach. Like you're gonna see probably five or six like young retired defensive players get hired on as head coaches in the next couple of years, it's going to be that same effect like we had after the Rams won the Super Bowl and everybody tried to go, you know, younger and younger, offensive minded, you know. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The, the interesting part of that is the relative difficulty of defensive backgrounded people getting head coaches yeah. anymore, but just because. It's so hard, especially at college. It's even worse. Yeah, uh, but it's it's hard to be elite defensively in football anymore with the rules the way that they are. So it's hard for those guys to distinguish themselves to the sure. point that they get to be head coaches. But along those same lines, you're like defensive minded guy, young former player. Meanwhile, it looks like the Falcons are going to have their second interview, and they seem to be sort of closing in on hiring Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick yeah. down there uh, in Atlanta. What are our feelings about that? It is what it is. Uh, he needs a quarterback. That's true. <laughs> like he needs a quarterback. I think it's a cousin's destination potentially. It's and a what? Cousins. I think he might be going. I think it could work. Yeah. Because I, I think cousins is better than people give him credit for. But he's you quite, like that? Yeah, you like that. He's on the decline <laughs> though for sure. But I think if he gets cousins, they'll at least be steady enough this year. What do you think? I can see that. I, I color me like I just think Bill Belichick's kind of done. I. He's the greatest coach in modern NFL history. I don't know if he's. I just don't know if he's built for it right now. He's he's getting old and he's. It doesn't always work out, you know. When you when you change jobs, it's late. And he doesn't strike me as like Pete Carroll that he's still pissing vinegar up there, angry that he got removed from his job, and it really feels like Pete Carroll might want to coach again. You know, when you listen to him talk, like it's not. It clearly wasn't as amicable, and as mutual as they as the Seahawks made it sound. At the beginning, we're like, oh, we're going to move him into a, a front office role. Uh, he's going to be a consultant. You know, we love Pete. We thank him for his service. And Pete's kind of been going around town and and sort of spilling the tea a little bit, you know, uh, with, with some of the radio stations and media members. And that doesn't sound like somebody that's going to stay in the organization in another role, you know. With Belichick, I don't know if he – I don't know if he's ready to take on another challenge like this. I could be wrong. You know, I'm 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 – Willing, I'm ready and willing to say I could be wrong, but man, it depends on if they let him be the GM because I don't true. think he, I don't think he thrives. Right, I don't think he's, I don't think he thrives with both with those dual roles at this point, or he hasn't in recent years. I'll concede that post post Brady has not been pretty. You know, he really, I don't want to say he lucked into that at all. I'm not trying to diminish his accomplishments, but it's a lot easier to win those titles when you've got Tom Brady at quarterback. And he covers up a lot of sins. If you mess up in the draft, still got Tom Brady. You know, you don't go after receivers. You don't draft. You're terrible at drafting receivers in the first round. But Tom Brady makes it work. You know, and it's 
I just don't I don't know if he's ready to go take that on and, and they have good weapons. You insert cousins and it might be it might be like a ready made offense. They've been seven and ten. They were seven ten all three years mm-hmm. under Arthur Smith. You don't think Belichick's worth one or two wins at this point for Atlanta? I don't know if he is. I don't, I don't know. know with if a good he is quarterback anymore. Maybe okay. This past I think year, Kirk Cousins might be worth one or two wins. Yeah, this past year I think definitely diminished Belichick and yeah. how much people view him, especially if his staff if he brings back his old guard, if you know, Josh McDaniels, uh, Joe Judge, maybe Matt Patricia rejoins and they get all the good old. Oh boys yeah, together. Matt Patricia, he's worth a couple wins, isn't he? Yeah, I mean he did great Monday night against Tampa Bay. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like their quarterback situation is, is miserable. Sure, you know, and, and I mean, all respect to Desmond Ritter, but they're they're they couldn't figure it out. They kept going back and forth between the the two, and and the growth wasn't there. I think that if, if they'd be better off, or they, I think that stabilizing the quarterback position is worth more wins than a seventy three year old Bill Belichick will be this year. He's chasing the wins record. I think he'll get that too. He's like fifteen away from breaking the record, fourteen from tying it. That's seven wins and like seven wins each year. I think he's two years, maybe three years in that land, then he's done. That's my gut instinct on this. Yeah, though. I mean, good, good luck to him. I don't. I, I just. I'm not. I don't think he's a championship coach right now. I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe what he's looking for is how do I replicate two de- uh, two decades of the other teams in my division being brain dead. So he went to the South. <laughs> so he went to the NFC South, which uh, like we know. I mean, the, we're deaf for Brady. The Bucks won the division with a losing record last year, and then won it again this year, uh, nine and eight. Like, yep, yeah. And the and the rest of the it, it's routinely just a a clown show. Uh, it's the NFC's coastal division, and, and I maybe that's what he's looking for. Just I the, the Benny Hill music. Don't have any yeah. idea what they're doing, and uh, we'll just be the best of the worst and. It's a crapshoot after that. You know, Belichick <laughs> likes coaching against Todd Bowles. He's had success in the past against Bowles. I mean, most people have. <laughs> he wasn't ready for the head coaching job when he got it in New York. Happy he has one now. Blame the New York media for it's that. It's just going to be weird to see him. It'll be weird, just like it was with Brady, to see him not in you know Patriots colors. But it's also just going to be—he's going to be playing like inside. <laughs> They're gonna be able to wear like the drab hoodie and look like he's just dying inside on the sidelines, and while right. it's a sleeting or anything, it won't be any of that. He'll be in a new a new environment. I don't really know if I like it. Red and black. Like nothing screams Atlanta like Bill Belichick. Let me tell you, Magic City. <laughs> Magic City. Yeah. Can you imagine he has like a standing wing order every every Tuesday? <laughs> Lemon pepper wet. <laughs> Twenty. Hell. Eighty-one fifty ninety-three nine. That's uh, the number if you'd like to get in here. Harold, welcome in, buddy. What's on your mind? Hey, I was I was calling in to talk a little Raiders, but go for it. You know, biscuit, but biscuit is saying the the Patriots were terrible at drafting wide receivers in the first round. They did hit on one in the second round. He was a Super Bowl. MVP. Oh yeah. I uh, see. I was more talking about. The last ten years or so. I mean, obviously, Deion Branch. That was that. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair, right? But yeah, that oh, has sure. to be said for sure. If we're going to talk wide receivers, but anyway, he's kind of the exception that proves the rule, though, right? <laughs> like the early years with Deion Branch, Troy Brown, it wasn't terrible. It was a lot you more know. Nikhil Harry's, right? Yeah. I mean, thank God, though. That's, that's <laughs> phenomenal, but. Uh, you know, I think the Raiders have an interesting opportunity, and you all hit on something saying that, you know, that's their business, right? That's their wealth. Yeah. Like, Vegas is a town full of shows. Yeah. 
So just be a show for the opposing team. Like, who doesn't want to go to Vegas? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but you have to field a solid product. So hopefully they can be uh, hover around 9 and 8, 8 and 8, but do rate of things and pop up, right? Because, you know, we see you see a team like Green Bay getting in 9 and 8, right? So if you're hovering around there, hopefully in the AFC you'll have a chance. You'll have a chance to get up there and they could be entertaining. You know, hopefully they could eventually get some fans, but I think you don't even need your – I mean – you don't really need your own fans to be a business and revel in it, right? Hey. Just revel in it and have fun and be content because when you start chasing certain things, like obviously every, the goal is to win a Super Bowl. But short of that, the goal is to be competitive. And so as long as they can field a competitive product, I think they can market themselves as the game. Everybody, every away team circles on their calendar and they're like, yeah, let's, let's go to Vegas you try and get that stadium full that way. I mean, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So if your team takes an L, it just stays there. <laughs> in Vegas, where it's always year zero. See, right. That's what it's I figure all, Fisher's idea all, was when he was right. moving to, to, to Vegas. It's just like, we don't even need our own fans. <laughs> we don't even need our own fans. So it's perfect for him. No. Exactly. Just go have fun. Turn it into a fun a fun thing, right? Like be a show. And so I think if they could if they can figure out that mentality, they could start generating, you know, some money for themselves. But at any rate. Too, you know how Max Crosby smoking cigars all of a sudden, you get cigar you have cigar bars yeah. all around. You know, who knows? Just have fun though. I think that's that's the thing. When there was a black hole Right, and you're just the villain, and you're out there doing what you need to do. That was that was a fun that was a fun Raiders team, and that's that same spirit though, that same sort of outlaw spirit. Like, yeah, we're competitive, we're gonna win, but we're gonna have fun and be a good time. Just like Vegas, Harold. Thank you so much for the call, buddy. I appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your birthday, buddy. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, what do we make then? I guess that would leave us with Harbaugh. Uh, pursuing the Chargers, which I guess I think we all feel like that's probably where that's going. Yeah, feels like it to me. Did you see like the reports yesterday where it was um like David Shaw interviewed, and then you had like Schefter and Albert Breer saying they're now Rooney Rule compliant, which is the quiet part out loud of what we kind of perceive these moves to be at yeah. for some jobs. I like don't. The first of all, I don't know why he tweets that. Uh, he like the teams don't get to decide if they are Rooney Rule compliant. Right. The league does. Uh, but also, it is a giant slap in the face. Uh, it, it's a, it's the proverbial uh, patronizing pat on the head, mm-hmm. uh, and it's unfortunate. I hate that it happens. Uh, it's kind of really up to these guys to not take those kinds of interviews. Yeah, I don't like David as much Shaw as it is on the teams. David Shaw, buddy. Woo. I mean, what year is it? Does have history with Jim Harbaugh though, so maybe it's like we want to do our due diligence to maybe be interested in OC position if Harbaugh wants it because they were with Stanford together. So that's maybe a presumption there with some interviews, but. It just that name is like he fl- he fell at Stanford at the end, so I fell really in face. Yeah. Yeah. There was a time, there was a a five six year period where it was like, if you want in in college football media, if you wanted to, it was like the hipster way of trying to show <laughs> that you were paying attention to things. You'd be like David Shaw, low key the best. Remember that? Oh yeah. Oh, they were always trying to tell us that. Yeah, no, David. Well, he he had a decent post Harbaugh run at Stanford, and then he just kind of fell off the cliff. He got his own players in there. Hmm. 
Which year was that? <laughs> year three, if you're doing the math by Kenny Payne's math. So four by other Gregorian calendar math. <laughs> he dropped the Gregorian calendar on you. <laughs> Nothing safe. That was the greatest thing in that Crawford article. There was a lot of good. <laughs> For those like, of us on the Gregorian calendar. <laughs> that's right. I'm almost surprised. Like Dave, you share a screenshot. I thought you would share the screenshot where you referenced that thing you do because I know how much you love that movie. I do love that movie. So it's an underrated Tom Hanks role, man. It's a great movie. It is a great movie. It's a phenomenal movie. And that was a great pull from him. Yeah, seriously. Um, Fountains of Wayne guys wrote all the songs. I know they did a lot of that kind of stuff, like like fictional bands. You know what I mean? Uh, R.I.P. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, man, the. uh, that article was great. I wasn't here yesterday, so I mean, I, I'm sure you all touched on it a lot. Uh, you got but, thoughts, by all means. But it was just, you know, I just thought he hit the nail on the head per usual. Um, always measured, always logical. And the only thing I I really even disagreed with was, <laughs> was not even disagreeing, just kind of making the point that I don't know how many other people are really confused about what year it is. You know what I mean? Like, I feel yeah. like it's Kenny... And a very small group of people that buy that. I don't think the fan base at large accepts that. Even people that that are really that really want Kenny to succeed or are, are really pro Kenny, I don't think most of his fans are accepting of that that line of thinking because it's for the same reasons that we all trotted out there yesterday. It's just so dismissive, and it 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 shirks responsibility and accountability. It's weak. It's weak, and it's not. Like the the point I think that always sticks out to me and 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 makes me want to relitigate the entire first off season was the line. Well, it wasn't even in the, but it was the line. Actually, it was actually a Bozich line in the in the clip that they that was going around when he said, oh, he was, you know, he was forced to to play with players that that yeah. weren't a, a part of his future plans, and that's really what bothered me." So much about that clip, and we'll I'll play that on the other side. Yeah, let's let's, let's get into it here. But we'll play that on the other side and 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 let people because it's the only. It really is the only person I have seen uh, at all uh, respond to what Kenny had to say after the game in defense of it. Yeah, uh, has been Rick, which you joked on Twitter, shocking. Yeah. But I really haven't seen anybody else respond that way, which, I mean, I think it's worth noting. The debates are over. We don't get contrarian calls from anyone or texts from anyone anymore. And, and the, the hardest core sort of holdouts have really just shifted to why are you still talking about this? Mm-hmm. Uh, or or just the more vague and equally cowardly. Uh, it doesn't matter what he says. People are going to blow up at him, right? It's not true. Yes, it's the people who are listening that's the problem, not not what yeah. you said, right? But I really, don't hear the debates and don't hear from, from anyone asking you to, to slow down or consider a, nothing. Nothing. It's hard. Well, it's because it's hard to paint that quote any other way. And I think everyone, it's such a tired line, you know, and, and, and one that, that people who spend a lot of money on this program and season tickets and sit in those seats and everything like that don't want you to tell them that it didn't count. Or it's not, it wasn't really, we didn't ever expect to have success that year is essentially what you're hearing from that. Yeah. So. The, the only way that would have been acceptable, and there really aren't any, but the only way it would have been ex- acceptable is if you tell us ahead of time. 
Right. And he did tell us he was going to struggle, but he didn't say. But he didn't say it didn't. This is just going to be a throwaway season. He didn't say that. All right, we'll let you hear that clip and respond to it uh, on the other side here on the drive on the Thunderbolt. Be right back.